2: And welcome back to another episode of the Astros Future podcast presented by Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. I'm your host, Jimmy Price, also known as Astros Future, and you can find my work at AstrosFuture.com and find me on Twitter at Astros Future.
0: And I'm your co-host, Brian Hamilton, and you can find me on Twitter at BHAM1720. And be sure to follow the official Apollo Media account at Apollo H O U as well as hitting the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.
2: All right, today on the podcast, we are going to take a look around the Astro system at some of the top prospects. But first, we are joined by a very special guest, host of the Flippin' Bats podcast and Fox Sports analyst, Ben Verlander. Thanks for joining us today, Ben. How you doing?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it.
2: So the first question I got to ask, and just from being a follower of yours on Twitter, I know you're a huge fan of of Shohei Otani, but just how crazy is it what he's doing this year, you know, leading the league in home runs, but also like being dominant on the mound. We've never seen anything like that. Everyone wants to kind of compare it to, to Babe Ruth, but you know, what we're looking at now, I mean, it's just an insane level of domination, both hitting
1: and pitching. Yeah. You know, it's anytime you start hearing, this is the first time since, in a hundred years since Babe Ruth that something's happening. You should probably listen up and, and, and attract your focus towards it. You know, it's like, I, I, I have a soft spot for it. I think for, I, I did. And I was kind of on his bandwagon w- before this season, just because I tried to do this in college. I tried to be a dual player and, and hit and pitch in college at the D one level. And I just really wasn't able to, it's really hard to do both. And, you know, you find yourself losing, uh, you know, losing your attention in one area and focusing more on another and trying to pick and choose what to focus more on. Mm -hmm. And it's tough. And for him to be doing this at an all star level on both sides of the ball at the highest level in the world is truly incredible. And and I really don't want to take for granted what we're getting to watch. And that's kind of what I want to portray when you know i i know i talk about him a lot and i just want people to realize how incredible this is
2: yeah i think i saw uh, uh, someone had tweeted but i think it was like he had a, a home run on like sunday monday and then through like six innings one run on tuesday and then two homers on wednesday and one on thursday friday something like that just an insane week where the guy hits like hit six homers and had a, a quality start a dominant start so yeah just crazy seeing what he's doing and I know you mentioned it about, you know, that kind of being one of your goals is, is focusing on or, you know, trying to trying to do both things, trying to hit and pitch. And just from your experience in college, I mean, just how difficult is it to, to be able to prepare for both, to be able to to have a routine, to be a pitcher, especially a starting pitcher, um, but also, you know, be in the lineup every pretty much every day?
1: Yeah, you know, before before Otani is doing what he's doing, I would have told you it's impossible to do it at the big league mm-hmm. level at this day and age. Uh, you just, you know, people grow up. And aside from Little League and high school, you don't see many people doing both at a high level. And, and he is. Um, and, you know, the amount of preparation that goes into it and work ethic and it really is putting in double the time. And it's absolutely insane to see. And, you know, it's not just it's not just a guy with insane freak talent. It's a guy that's behind the scenes throwing his bullpens on a day while also then running to take BP and, you know, trying to hone in on his craft on both sides of the ball at all times. And it's truly incredible. And like I said, I would have told you it's impossible uh, to do what he's doing at the major league level until this year.
0: Yeah. He's definitely been a treat to watch. It's it's insane. The numbers he puts up and since we're in the same division with them being Astros fans, we see him a lot every year, but you know, outside of Shohei, are there any other players around baseball right now that are must-see TV for you?
1: Yeah, you know, I think I, I look at a guy like Tatis, who I think is emerging as as the face of Major League Baseball. He's so hmm. exciting to watch. Obviously, guys like Trout, when they're healthy, you know, he, he's the best player on the planet. Uh, so whenever I can watch him, I like to. Ronald Acuna, and you know a guy I love to watch is, is Jordan. Jordan Alvarez. I, sure. I just think he is one of the – best, if not the best pure hitter in baseball. It's absolutely incredible watching him on a night in and night out basis. And, and it's, you know, it's cool to, to be able to watch a guy like Jordan come up to the league and just honestly dominate from the second he got into the big leagues. It's been awesome.
2: Yeah. So with the guys, like you mentioned, Tatis and Acuna and and Alvarez and I feel like you know you, you sometimes you hear people talk about the, the future of baseball but it it really seems like the future of, of baseball is in really good hands I can't I can't really recall a time where it felt like there was this many star players that were you know maybe under the age of
1: 23. Yeah you know you make a great point I think you know the, the future of baseball is in such good hands you know you look at years past and the best players in the game are guys that are all you know in their prime, in their, you know, high twenties, in their thirties. And it's like the guys that are being talked about the most in baseball and watched the most are 25 and under. And even a guy like Otani is 26. But you start looking at the names that are being talked about the most. And they're also the guys that are the youngest and give me the most hope mm-hmm. for the future of baseball. Like, you know, Tatis um Acuna I got Vladimir Guerrero Jr who could have gone on that last list I mean it just goes on and on with the amount of young talent in this game that is already at an all-star caliber talent and they're not even in their prime yet so the the future of baseball is in great hands
2: definitely yeah I mean every it seems like every day you, you turn on the tv you're seeing you're seeing one of these young guys do something special it's just Just a blast to watch. But since you mentioned the Astros, we'll kind of segue to that. August 31st, 2017 was a a very special day for a lot of Astros fans. But unfortunately, at the same time, it was a a hectic day, a a sad day, too, because that was right after Hurricane Harvey hit. But that was also the day the Astros traded for Justin Verlander, and they ended up going on to win the 2017 World Series. So after that trade was made, did did you become an Astros fan for the remainder of the year, you know, rooting on Justin to to win a World Series?
1: Oh, yeah, I was there for every – every, uh, you know, after the ALDS, I was there for every playoff game. So ALCS through the World Series was there for the whole run uh, became, yeah, you know, like, obviously, you know, I, I remember that night very well. And it was a, a whirlwind of a night on on our end, as in, you know, our, our family, mm-hmm. as well as when all the dust settles. And it's like, all right, this is what's happening. It's like, oh, my God, there was just a national disaster in Houston. Mm -hmm. Like, what is – this is crazy, a natural disaster. And it's like, wait, so not only are we going through this, you're about to fly into an airport that's – like, it's flooded there. And, uh, you know, and immediately, you know, Justin gets there. And then as I get and and spend more time there and around the players, I just – you know, not only am I my brother's biggest fan, but I've also – become friends with a lot of guys on that team and, you know, you find yourself, it's an easy team to root for. And it was a blast going on that world series run in 2017. I mean, some of the coolest memories of my life came from come from that season and, you know, it, it continued through, you know, even in 2019, I was there uh, every step of the way in the world series. And it's just been honestly incredible having Justin on that team and, and getting close with the guys, getting close with the Cranes who are the owners of the team. And just, you know, it, uh, it, it's been a blast uh, to be part of, And you know, he's part of this organization, but to be able to, to watch and root for the organization.
0: Yeah, we have absolutely loved the ride that we've been on, uh, you know, with the Astros these last few years. And like you mentioned, 2019, we got back to the World Series, didn't exactly go the way we planned at the end, but it was still a heck of a ride you know, this year, our offense is off the charts. We're basically leading the league in almost every statistical category. Uh, what do you think about our projections as far as like the rest of the year go and, and where you see us?
1: Yeah, you know, I I before the season started did, you know, was on a show for Fox. And we were going through our predictions and our AL and NL predictions. And I actually had uh, the Astros winning the American League and representing the American League in the World Series. And you know, I, I've worked very hard in my life to, to separate myself from, you know, I, I love my brother and everything. And, and, and there are times in life where it's not easy. So I've worked very hard to separate myself. And, and hopefully the goal is to be as successful as I can for, for myself and my own name and create my own path and have my own show and do my own things with Fox. Mm-hmm. And, and I go on Fox, one of the very first things I did and I predicted the Astros to make it to the World Series. And it's like, <laughs> oh, of course you pick them. And I'm, like, oh. I'm like, I'm being serious here. This offense is going to be the best offense in, in the American League. And I think they're a pitching piece or two away from being clearly the best team in the American League and one of the best teams in all of baseball. And, and I still stand by that. And I feel like as the season goes on, I'm being proven more and more right about that.
2: Yeah, I see I see the replies. When when you post like the power rankings on Twitter and stuff, and everyone jumps in their replies, and that's what they they tend to say. They can run all <laughs> 15 wins in a row, but it doesn't matter. But you mentioned, you know, making a name for yourself. And I think you're doing it with the, the Fox Sports stuff and the podcast, which I think me and Brian both agree is, is definitely one of the best baseball podcasts out there. So how yep. did how did you come into that? And you know, I guess growing up or even playing baseball, did you envision yourself like being involved in baseball in a way like this and, and maybe like
1: a, a media capacity? Yeah. So, you know, I, baseball has been my passion since, since literally the day I was born. I mean, my brother's nine years older than me. So from the moment I'm born, I'm already you know being taken to baseball games and growing up around the game of baseball. And I just fell in love with it. Uh, there was no pressure on me to play baseball. I just fell in love with the game and, and wanted to play it and wanted to play it for as long as possible. Uh, so to continue on in my career and go to to. A college and become an All-American and get drafted and play professionally for five years, you know, I'm, I'm so proud of that um, in, in my own right. And, you know, had a really good run at it. And and I I still say this, though, I truly believe I was put on this earth to talk about baseball. And I don't I, I would have loved to, to make it as and have the most successful baseball career of all time. Uh, but I didn't. I gave it a good run. And now now I do get to talk about baseball. And I did always believe that you know, this was, I, I did want to stay in baseball. And I did want to talk about it and it, it's what I'm passionate about. And I feel like, and started to figure out that, you know, th- that comes across and I would hear from people like you can tell how passionate you are. And, and it may, you know, I, I love watching you. And it's like, you know, the more I hear stuff like that, it, it, it means a lot because it is, I'm, I'm so passionate about it. And I love the game so much. And I think that has been what has, propelled me into this career. You know, I finished playing about two years ago, two and a half years ago. And this past uh, September, came out to, to LA and met with somebody with Fox that said hey you know like we don't know exactly what the plan we'd love to put you on our world series watch party with uh mm-hmm. it was well i didn't know it at the time but i agreed and came out and they're like all right it's you're gonna be on with tino martinez Rick and and nick swisher and i'm like <laughs> all right i guess i'm just getting thrown right into this uh and i did and it was a blast and i i guess it went really well and it just parlayed into this full-time job with fox and i've been been out here since february now and and have my own show, flipping Bats, my own podcast. And, uh, you know, it's it's been an absolute blast. And I couldn't ask for anything more. Because like I said, I, I truly feel like I was put on this earth to talk about baseball.
2: Yeah, I, I don't think I speak for myself when I say this. But I, I definitely think, you know, we talk about the future of baseball and, and the young stars and things like that. But I think baseball also needs people in the you know the media capacity that are like you that have this this pure love of the game and the the sharing the videos on on twitter and sharing the the crazy things that otani's doing and you know and just really promoting the game rather than just maybe reporting on the game and i think um with the way social media and everything is is, is blown up like this i think the things that you're doing on social media has been really great for the sport i think you have probably felt that as well just over the last couple months of the season and i, I think the way the game is going i think it you know, you falling in that role has, has been extremely ideal for baseball.
1: I I appreciate that a lot, man. I, I agree. I think baseball just, it just needs this young, you know, you can see the shift on the field, but we weren't getting that shift off of the field. And this is mm-hmm. not a knock on anybody. I, I grew up watching a lot of the people that talk about baseball, but that's, that's the thing, man. You know, a lot of these people that are talking about baseball are, 40, 50, 60, 70 years old. And it's like, okay, well, the best players in the world right now are 20, 22, 23, 25. And, you know, just having a voice that is talking to players weekly and showcasing the exciting stuff in sports. You know, like players for the first time are getting their voices on the field and showing their passion and flipping bats. And it's it's fun. That's what it is. And baseball desperately needed and needs people that are, you know, just the younger generation that I think gets it and, mm-hmm. and, and will talk about that. And it's been a blast having my show and having players and some of the best players in the game on and just talking to them about stuff that they wouldn't typically get asked, you know, mm-hmm. asking them stuff about their minor league career. And I asked them a lot of questions about, you know, like from my personal experience, I had some really highs in the minors. And some really lows and just talking to them about stuff that they're not typically asked about, like um, like their mindset coming up. And when you started, like when you struggle, how do you go about that? How mentally would you get over that hump? And then talking to them about, you know, the current state of baseball and how exciting it is and how how exciting it is to be able to flip bats and do do what you want. And, And it's just it's been a blast.
0: You know, Ben, recently you wrote at the, uh, that article, The Not-So-Glamorous Life of the Minor League Ball Player. Mm-hmm. And that one was so, so good, man. Like As I was reading it, it's almost like I was there because I could see what you were saying, if that makes sense. And, uh, you know, there was that one part in there where you talked about well, one of your buddies who he almost had to quit because he couldn't even fill up his car with a tank of gas. And, mm-hmm. you know, like, do you think that that's a situation that will end up being rectified by Major League Baseball at some point in the future?
1: You know, I, I hope so. And what happened this past offseason with all of the teams getting cut and it was said, yeah, you know, we're doing this to to make life better for the current, you know, the other teams and to pay players a better wage and to do this and to do that. And, and that sounds all great. But I, I didn't know if I believed that. and And even more so now, I don't know if I believe that. And, you know, Everything I wrote in that article is, is so true. And, and that guy I wrote about with the with the car and not able to fill up his gas is my best friend, actually. And he's currently playing over in, in Japan and, and has turned himself into having a successful career. But he was days away from having to hang it up. And literally just a few minutes ago, I got home from the studio recording a, an interview for my next episode of the podcast. And it's, it was with John Means. And that'll come out on Tuesday. And John and I talked about um, that life and how his his journey was so crazy. And he literally said there was a time in Double A where I thought it was done. And I literally created a LinkedIn page and started looking for jobs. Mm. And now he's a big league all star. It's like the line between being so close to to being a successful big league player where you're making a ton and a ton of money and and potentially millions of dollars and the line where you feel like you're you need to look for other jobs because you're making six thousand dollars a year and not able to provide for yourself much less anyone else is so thin and that's so scary and so wrong in my opinion
0: no i i completely agree with you you know like i I I never knew that it was that bad, you know, that it could get that bad. I knew obviously, like, I mean, it's not obvious to everyone, but I knew that, you know, Meyer leaguers aren't millionaires like you say in the article. But then I think, what was it last month? And maybe it was earlier this month when that photo was circulating about a Meyer leaguer who basically had two pieces of bread and a piece of cheese in there as his meal that was given to him, which just really kind of surprised me. I mean, um, I, you know, the, the article really put it in perspective. I think you did a great job on that. And, and I really, really hope that someone, you know, you know, takes the ball and runs with it, so to speak, just to kind of get that rectified.
1: That article. And, and I talked about food in that article. I talked about how how hard it is. And and look, I, a lot of the response on, on you know, I, I got a lot of good response on social media and a lot of response like, well, how dare you complain? Like you have people out there and, and the military, and they're getting this and this. And it's like, look, I, I think that's wrong too. <laughs> you know, like, right. just because something else is wrong, doesn't mean what I'm talking about is wrong. And, and we're expected to be professional athletes. Um, but we're, we're being fed like, you know, like elementary school students. And right. I also wrote in there about having a half of a baked potato for dinner. And that was true mm-hmm. as well. I, I remember mm-hmm. it vividly. There was one game Uh, at the low a level my first year playing where I came in after an extra inning game I think we played like 11 game, 11 innings and lost and we come in and I'm starving and I look over at our table and there's literally baked potatoes cut in half and it's like take one and I'm like what what is happening right now and it's just you know a lot of the things I do is just try and bring a perspective from my perspective take take my experiences and what I learned and and just kind of Talk about it, and also use it when I when I talk to big league players, and I think I just bring a really unique perspective. But but one thing I, I did say in that article at the end is, you know, it, it's not glamorous, but I'd do it all again in a heartbeat, and and that is so right. true. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, I watch on or on follow on Twitter. I think it's like a I think it's called at MILB Advocates or something. They post some of those those uh, pictures and stuff from minor league players. And I know there was a story circulating about. Players potentially having to sleep in their own car because they the team didn't have a hotel and they didn't have money to pay for it. And I know the Astros, uh, right at the beginning of the season provided furnished apartments to minor leaguers across the whole level. So, you know, credit to Jim Crane for doing that. But yeah, to see that the guys are, you know, like you said, are supposed to be considered professional athletes and are expected to work out and build muscle and all this stuff. And yet they're not provided with a a full meal and they're having to sleep in their cars. Just, it's really mind blowing. And I don't think enough people are probably aware of what's going on.
1: Yeah, they're, they're absolutely not. And, you know, I I do think it's, you know, I do think there's so much room for improvement and, you know, I just want to without, you know, without talking about it too much, I I do think it's important to talk about every once in a while Mm -hmm. and, and people will say, you know, if you uh, about game meals, if you don't like it, go buy your own. And, and the problem there is that we can't afford to buy our own. You know, mm-hmm. like people just automatically assume because, you know, we're we're professional athletes that we make good money. And to be honest with you, it, it's it's the opposite, you know, and, and, and it shouldn't be at in the minor league level your first few years you're making well below the poverty line mm-hmm. and and it's you know you kind of are dependent on the team and what they can bring you for for meals mm-hmm. while also expected to perform at the highest level so so every once in a while i just like like talking about it and like showcasing because i don't think many people understand the the magnitude of how how tough it can be and how much of a grind it can be yeah
0: definitely what do you Ben, what do you think about the the recent rule change that was just implemented, where you know the the pitchers are being checked um, routinely now during
1: games? Yeah, um I, I don't love, I, I wish it wasn't done during the season. Right. what I think what I think happened is, look, I this all all this stuff, substances, are deep rooted in baseball history. It, it just is from the beginning of time when pitchers were throwing spitballs and using emery boards to to scuff the baseball, and it evolved into sandpaper to scuff the baseball, and then it evolved into uh, uh, pine tar, and then it's like, okay, well, let's just you know using sunscreen to just get a better grip, and now it's evolved into this sticky stuff that's stickier than anything on the planet, and it's turning pitchers into into guys that they they never were and I think that's what happened is we we ran into an issue that had to be fixed and it's like major league baseball was forced into doing something because right. I really I don't think it's many people using this you know this spider tax stuff or something like it that is that is causing the drastic change but it's those few pitchers that you know, I don't want to say ruined it for the rest, but it it did force Major League Baseball into this to a decision. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if if they realized what would happen or if they now regret doing it in the middle of the season. But I really don't feel like that was the answer.
2: Yeah, I know the you had him on the podcast earlier in the season, but Tyler Glasnow had the main issue with it. And he was very vocal about how Losing that and losing that grip uh, changed the way he had to grip a ball, the way he had to throw it, and ultimately he ended up getting hurt. And now its uh, I, I don't remember exactly what the exact diagnosis was, but I know it's not good. And you know, making a, a crazy change like that right in the middle of the season and basically saying, all right, starting this day, you can no longer use this substance that you've been using and you were accustomed to using. And it seems like something that would be typically implemented maybe in the off-season where players have an opportunity to adapt to that. Um, unfortunately, it was just thrown on them like that. But while we're on the topic of rule changes, you know, baseball has, has undergone quite a quite a bit of rule changes recently. And one of them that uh, we've seen recently has been the runner on second to start extra innings. Which I know there's been some 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 people that are okay with it. It you know maybe shortens the game. Some people that
1: don't like it. What's your overall take on that rule? Yeah, you know, I definitely don't. I don't love the rule, but I'm fine with it. And I actually, you know, I have, have grown more and more to, to not hating it. I, I, what I do wish I'm, I'm fine with the rule, but what I do wish is that it didn't start in the 10th inning. I wish we were given the 10th and 11th and maybe even the 12th of, of quote normal baseball. um, And then doing something like that in, in the 13th, you know, it's like, it almost seems too quick. Like, okay, nine innings is over. It's been a great baseball game. Now let's put a runner on second and you know change the game. I don't, I don't love that, but I, I, I do think it adds a unique viewing experience. I think it changes it. I think it changes um, uh, decision-making from the manager. I think it changes game plans, and I, I like watching that. I just I don't think it should start in the 10th inning. That seems a little much to me.
2: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. That It seems like it just – you play a full nine-inning regular baseball game and then, bam, the, the rules the rules right. completely change, and now you're what almost feels like a different game because there's that free man out there and these uh, these unearned runs that are coming across all the time. And I know it started as, a like, they, a trial thing, and the minors and all that, and the minors do it. And it kind of makes sense there where maybe the games aren't – the, the, the win-losses aren't on the same level of importance of, of, you know, the MLB. But on the topic of, of minor league baseball, and as someone who played quite a bit of minor league baseball – do you still pay attention to the minors a lot? I mean, I, I obviously follow the Astros minor league system, but I, I like watching the other top prospects. And, you know, we see Franco just got called up not a, or a couple of days ago, number one prospect in baseball. But do you find yourself still uh, paying attention and, and watching the top prospects
1: throughout the league? Absolutely. You know, I, I think I have a, a soft spot for for minor league baseball. And and I think with, you know, there, there aren't many – uh, people that, that talk about baseball and Major League Baseball for a living that have had the journey I've had. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's crazy, you know, like to, to grow up and, and have my brother, who's a future Hall of Famer, be who he is and then play in my own right and, and absolutely grind through minor league baseball and have some serious ups and downs. And to have those experiences and now be, be talking about Major League Baseball uh, for my life, um, I obviously still hold a soft spot for minor league baseball and want to bring awareness to that and, and talk about, um, talk about what's going on in the minor leagues, talk about mm. prospects, because I truly think, you know, that's an important way to grow the game as well. You know, you look at the top, top prospects, and they're, they're talked about a good bit. And when they make it to the big leagues, People know who they are and they want to tune in. Right. Uh, look at Wander Franco. You know, you have more people watching a Rays game than ever uh, when the day he debuts. And I mm-hmm. think it's important to showcase some of the best other some of the other best prospects in, in minor league baseball, because once they do make it, it, it provides more excitement. It lets people know, like, who is this guy? I've never heard of him. Well, it's. You know, he's one of the best prospects in baseball. This is who he is. And, and that's why I like, you know, every once in a while showcasing uh, and tweeting about minor league guys doing mm-hmm. doing things so that when they do get to the big leagues, it's a big deal. You know, I look at you know, the Tigers organization that I was a part of, and they have some guys right now in Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson who are incredible and I think right. going to be really good talent at the big league level. And whenever they do something good, I like to tweet about it. And and I think people want to see it and, and the day they break into the big leagues, it's gonna be a huge deal. And and I think that's a big part of growing the game. And and I look at the Astros and look, there I, I feel like there aren't a ton of people in the world or even Astros fans. The prospects just aren't talked about a ton. You know, I, I know Forrest Whitley is probably the name that comes to most people's mind. Mm-hmm. So He's the one when he makes it, people will be like, "Oh, I know who that guy is." But I guarantee yeah. you, not a ton of people know who Pedro Leon is, and, and Corey Lee, and guys like that that are in the minors that are going to be studs. Mm-hmm. It's like when you can when you can showcase their talent before they get to the big leagues, it makes their debut even bigger and better. I think.
2: Yeah, and that's that's one thing. I've, I mean, I've tried to you know uh, put that out on Twitter. I put their stat lines out there, let the fans know you know what the prospects are doing. And as an Astros fan, that back you know you push it back to 2011 2012 2013 that's that's all we had to look forward to was the minor I mean the the major league team was really bad but we knew (laughs) we had George Springer and Carlos Correa and Lance McCullers and Alex Bregman we Kyle Tucker we had all those guys coming and and that's where my focus shifted to the minors more so than the majors because I mean that's where the excitement was like you mentioned you know you, you get to know these guys in the minors then when they debut it's like you're so excited to get out to a ballpark and actually see, you know, one of these guys in person. And yeah, so it's been, it's been a blast to, to follow the minor league system. And I, I do think that MLB has, has done a, a decent job. I know they got the futures game and stuff, but like you said, I think putting the top prospects out there and letting people know about it is is it is important for, you know, the future of the game as well.
1: I agree. And I think you're right. I, I think maybe Astros fans know and pay attention more than others, because there was a, a quite a few year period where it's all, Astros right. fans had to look forward to so that they you know it's ingrained in them to look down in the minor leagues and see what's coming uh because clearly it pays off at the big league level for so sure. yeah you're right though it, it, it does make a huge difference once once guys come up and I do think baseball does a great job having something like the futures game uh for for everyone to watch and, and look forward to and get to know guys
2: so I know we mentioned earlier is the last question I have for you but I'm assuming the answer is yes, but are you
1: sticking with the Astros as the the winner in the American League? Yeah, you know, early in the year I was I was looking at the Astros and I think the the White Sox, those were the two teams I had playing in the in the ALCS and look, I think even more so now I stand by I think the Astros have only continued to get better and better and they've just proven that offensively they're just on a different level than other teams. And then you have a team like the White Sox, who right now, I think, are the, the other competition in the American League. The White Sox mm-hmm. are a very complete team that have gone through a bunch of injuries. But you look at a rotation that has guys like Giolito and Lance Lynn and Dallas Keuchel and, you know, Carlos Rodon. And it's like, OK, mm-hmm. if it gets down to it and it really is the White Sox and the Astros and the ALCS, it is going to be one incredible series. Um, but you know, I predicted it at the beginning of the year and I feel even better about it. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick with the, I'm going to stick with the Astros.
2: All right. that, that That's Here good go. to hear. <laughs> well, I appreciate you coming on Ben. I really <laughs> appreciate the time. Uh, I know you, you got a busy schedule and be able to take some time out to talk to us about the minor league stuff. You know, we're both very appreciative and, uh, you know, hopefully we'll be, we'll be listening to your podcast and looking forward to the one that you mentioned coming out on Tuesday.
1: Of course. Yeah. I really appreciate you guys having me and, uh, yeah, I did have Kyle Tucker on early in the year for for some of the Astros fans out there, but I appreciate you guys having me. The podcast is flipping bats with Ben Verlander and uh, it, it, it means a lot to me and hopefully I can just showcase baseball in, in this way that you and I can sit here and talk about it today. And I feel like it's been going pretty well. So I love doing it. Yep. Well, thank you yeah, very definitely. much. Appreciate it. Thank of you course guys. Me. Thank you.
2: All right. That's going to do it for segment one. In the next segment, Brian and I are going to look around the Astros system and discuss some hot prospects. And we'll get to that in just a moment. And continuing on here at the Astros Feature Podcast presented by Apollo Media. If you enjoy the show, do us a favor or drop us a review or leave us some stars. So we just had Ben Verlander on. Awesome talk. We talked a lot about the minors. So we'll go ahead and talk about the Astros' minor league system right now, I'll do a, a quick recap. Looking at the Skeeters, they're sitting 25 and 16, but they got some some interesting prospects down there. I think you know, Astros fans are probably going to want to start paying a little bit more attention to. And one of them being J.J. Matajevic, who we've talked about, uh, it feels like quite often, but he got promoted to AAA. And he's hitting 391 with two homers, seven RBIs. And overall this year, he's got 11 homers, 34 RBIs, and a guy that was drafted for his bat. And right now, his bat is showing at the, the higher level in Double A AA and A.
0: Yeah, you know, we talked about him last week. We mentioned about his possible future projection as a, uh, you know, first baseman or corner outfielder, DH type, you know, how those kinds of guys can be, uh, you know, pretty sought after as not necessarily a throw in, but. Um, as part of a trade or even, you know, just coming up through the system. You know, we mentioned Marvin Gonzalez, that type of player. And now we're seeing it. Uh, well, I mean, uh, until he got hurt with Ole Diaz. Mm-hmm. So those types of players still have a future in baseball. And, you know, one thing we've never really discussed is whether or not the National League will ever implement the DH over there. And if so, right. that opens up even more jobs for these minor leaguers across baseball. And Matijevich could be one of those types of players.
2: And another guy who, same situation, you know, destroying the ball in a higher level and is really kind of needing a spot, Jake Myers. We've talked about him as well. I talked about him with Jason Bell. So we already know the guy you know, was drafted, solid outfielder, but as Jason mentioned, he's, he's turned into a elite defender in the outfield. So that already in itself is valuable. But so far this year, he's up to 13 home runs. He's hitting 315, just showing off. His career high coming into this year was nine homers. He's got 13 already, showing off a lot of power. And, man, to, to have a guy in the system that is elite defensively and, and showing some with the bat, it just gives you that comfort level that if something was to happen at the major league level with any of our outfitters, we have somebody who we can call up and we know is at least going to be very good defensively and has some potential promise with the bat. And, and getting that performance from, from a guy like Jake Myers has, has been really – Really good to see you this year.
0: Yeah, you know, last week whenever we recorded our episode, I you, know, you texted me, um, you know, a couple hours later, like, "Hey, man, Myers just hit another home run." So, you know, that's <laughs> just it's it's kind of amazing that you know we, we talk about these guys and they start doing something later on or they get promoted. You know, one thing that we talked about, um, you know, through you know just a phone call, we didn't talk about it on the podcast, but we can now is that you know, you know, mid season minor league. Um, play places like Baseball America, MLB uh, Network, they'll start doing their mid-season minor league rankings, not just with, you know, players one through 100, given their top 100, but the actual teams and where they stand. That's going to be interesting to see because we have a lot of guys that have really come out of nowhere this year, and mm-hmm. they're not just having one and two good weeks. They're putting together solid seasons so far. So, you know, whenever we spoke with um, Jim Callis earlier in the year, you know, he talked about, you know, the Astros don't have – a lot of those top end guys, those top ten prospect guys, but they have a lot of solid players. So I'm curious to see if anyone has kind of you know shot themselves up a little bit.
2: Yeah, and I'm with you. And I, Brian Rock, Tim, and mentioned it on uh, on Twitter this morning. We were we were going back and forth about something about I think about the system or something, and um, about how he thinks the system is you know maybe a little underrated. And I definitely think they are. But I think what you've seen is a lot of guys who weren't even on top thirties. Which we'll talk about some of these guys later, but like an Alex McKenna, Joe Perez, you know, had some injuries, weren't on the top thirty, and they're having monster seasons. And these are guys that have tools, have a great draft wa- uh, record, and they're not old, and they're showing it on the on the field now. So yeah, I definitely think you're going to see a, a pretty good shakeup and, and start to see some of those guys move up. Uh, before we get to the double A level and talk about one of our, our best prospects of the time, I'll mention one more guy, Brett Canine, a, a pitcher at the the Skeeters right now. Three eight six ERA. He's got 10 walks, 27 strikeouts, and 30 innings. He he's been really good this year, had one really bad start or one or two really bad starts. Overall, he's been he's been solid though, and has had more good starts than bad starts and a tough place to pitch down in and triple A at some of the places they're playing. But he seems like a guy who the Astros are pretty set at the rotation right now with have, however many guys we got, and it would take quite a bit of injuries. But he's a guy I think that Astros fans can look at as a potential uh, a potential guy to maybe make some spot starts. Maybe not necessarily this year, but at some point in the near future.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, you can never have too much pitching. I say it almost every week. Mm-hmm. I, I really enjoy whenever we – we talk about this and we can see some of these pitching prospects down there that are that are really starting to come into their own, you yep. know, make a name for themselves, get promoted within the systems, get noticed by uh, in, in, in our system, I'm sorry, and get noticed by by people not just within our system and our fans, but by people outside of of for the sure. system. We just heard Ben, he talked about um, you know, several players in our minor league system. So you can tell that, you know, some guys are making a name for themselves for sure.
2: Yeah, and when I had when I had Jason on Jason Bell with the Astros, I had asked him about that if if they pay attention to the rankings, which I, I assume they don't, and he pretty much mentioned that you know they have their own internal thoughts, obviously on their own guys, and but I, I'm sure the prospects still enjoy seeing the names on the on the top hundred list and getting that publicity. And one guy that I think we're both hoping will will be on that list uh, if, when it's redone at the end of summer or whatever will be Corey Lee. So down in Double t- A at the Hooks, they're 19-25, but Corey Lee. Got promoted maybe like a week and a half ago. He's played eight games in Double A. He's sitting three fifty one. He's got four homers, nine RBIs in those eight games. Two walks to three strikeouts in those eight games, and overall hitting three thirty six. We talked about his hit tool, about the way he's getting hits, but I've been extremely impressed with his strike zone discipline. I've been watch- I've watched pretty much every Hooks game since he's gotten promoted, and the guys just. You know, he doesn't swing and miss much right now. He's laying off a, a low pitch. He's, he's fouling pitches off. And then everything he's hitting is just like squared up and he's hitting it hitting it hard. And um, some of his home, you know, he had like one little wall scraper, but everything else has just been – all of his home runs have been destroyed. And a guy who is solid behind the plate, extremely good athlete, hitting three thirty six, you know, first-round pick just a couple of years ago, and he's doing it at the AA level. He's the guy that I definitely think we should expect to see jumping up on hopefully some top 100 lists.
0: Yeah, I was just about to say, that's another guy that right after we finished recording last week, mm-hmm. he started popping off another home run and did some other things too, man. But yeah, that's the one that we're going to see in the top hundred. That's going to be my little prediction. I know I'm really going out on a limb there, but, <laughs> but you know, man, but you know, dude, he's just, we talked about this last week. You know, um, we've got, we, we re-signed Maldonado to a couple of, I think it was like a two-year extension. And then Castro is still under contract for next year as well. But dude, Corey Lee is gonna force himself onto this team if he keeps playing like this. Yeah. This isn't just like a two-week spurt. We're two months into the minor league system. Right. He's already been promoted once. He's already tearing the ball up at Double A, man. It's I know you and I are planning on going down there at some point. I know you are for sure, and hopefully I can tag along. But uh, that that's gonna be really cool to to see him in person, just to see for sure. you know see him call a game and everything, man. It's it's
2: it's really exciting. So one other guy who maybe we'll see on some top hundred list. It, it, Going to be interesting to see how they how they rank him, but Pedro Leone and we talked we heard about for it felt like two years about how uh, much of a good prospect he was. And he came over and he struggled a little bit, but we've seen him kind of turn it around in June and towards you know, towards the end of the May and June. OPS about 755 right now, does have six homers, uh, six homers, eight stolen bases, and we've seen him really start to play a lot better over the last month and a half, uh, had like a, a really rough first week after that. He's, he's been pretty solid. So I'll be interested to see where they rank him given the, the, you know, the raw traits he has and see what they decide to do with him since his play on the field hasn't, wasn't great, but it's been, it's been better recently. So another guy who's yeah. in A, you know, and, and is putting together a, a, a nice stretch of games to show that he is one of the better prospects in the system.
0: Yeah, man, for sure. I, you know, I, I tend to think that he'll probably be included um, but I think it's going to be like low or like maybe in the nineties, just because of, you know, that slow start and everything. But, but then again, a, a lot of these prospect rankings, they tend to, you know, do it based on tools and, and projectability. So, so that'll be interesting to see as well. I think, I think Corey Lee and Pedro Leone are the two guys that we can, that if we're going to see anybody on there, it's going to be them. Uh, I don't think force, well, I mean, I guess force really could still be on there, but mm-hmm. judging by what Callis said last month, I, I, I doubt he gets included. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And that's it. it like you said, it, how do you judge a guy who, you know, the the little bit of time he's been on the field hasn't been good and he's been hurt. It, it's kind of hard to make an opinion on the guy, especially as, you know, he, he's continuing to get a little bit older, but I'll be interested to see how those rankings turn out. So another guy I want to talk about in double A we've mentioned him a couple of times on, on the podcast, but Jimmy Endersby, he was signed last year as an undrafted free agent, but remember last year's draft was only five rounds. So that doesn't necessarily mean he wasn't, you know, selection worthy. Well, uh, when I was talking with the scout, he pretty much mentioned that Endersby had the choice of basically any team he wanted to go to, and he chose to go to the Astros based on the way they develop pitchers. So he starts out the season in high A, has really good strikeout numbers, ERA's a little high, but that's a, it's a, a a very hitter-friendly ballpark, hitter-friendly league. Gets promoted to double A, and last night, Wednesday night, has his first outing, and he goes six innings, gives up one run, strikes out 10. I watched the game, look phenomenal, fastball looked good, slider, curve, getting swings and misses just good command of the strike zone all night. And he's 23 years old, like I said, undrafted free agent, but to be undrafted free agent in 2020 and he's made his double a debut and he's got 53 strikeouts and 35 innings this, this season so far, it definitely looks like the Astros and uh, him, I guess, together made the right choice coming together and, uh, and signing him as a undrafted free agent.
0: Definitely. And also to go along with that little puzzle is um, the fact that our current bullpen, you know, could, could use some help, maybe not necessarily this year, mm-hmm. but, you know, next year, year after or whatever, and he, man, that's a guy that you can tell the Astros absolutely have their, their eye on. They've already promoted him once. Yep. Um, I, you know, I, I don't want to say he'll be promoted again. I guess he could, but I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure he'll just stay at double A for the rest of the year. But man, that's exciting. And that's pretty cool to see whenever you have a guy that could sign with any, player, any uh, team in Major League Baseball, and he chooses the Astros because of our track record yep. uh, you know, for pitching and developing pitching. That's amazing.
2: So another guy, last one I'll talk about in A, Jonathan Bermudez. I, I spoke with him a few weeks ago and talked about him because he was off to a phenomenal start. He's had a couple like rough games where he didn't necessarily get knocked around, but just a couple unlucky, uh, gave up some runs. But overall, he's got 56 strikeouts and 38 innings, left-handed pitcher, not a guy who's going to blow you away, you know, low 90 stuff. But when I talked to him, I'd asked him because I I thought it was kind of interesting to see, you know, he barely walked anybody and he had a decent amount of strikeouts. And, you know, is he a a pitch to contact type of guy, which we saw out of maybe someone like Dallas Keiko Is he a strikeout guy? And he said his mentality is to strike out every single batter he faces. And so far, he's doing a pretty good job of it this year with 56 strikeouts and 38 innings. But he's another guy, a lefty, which are always valuable to watch this year and and, and see if he ends up getting himself a, a promotion to AAA at some point.
0: Yeah. You know, and you mentioned that he's a lefty, man. I mean, those kind of, you know, I always joke with friends that have young kids or, or you know, whatever, like, like you and I do, if they have a boy, like, Hey, put a baseball on his left hand because even the crappy one can yeah. make 10 million a year out of the bullpen. So, you know, I mean, it's just the fact that he's a lefty that could skyrocket his, um, his chances to the majors, man. I mean, like it's teams have you know, they, they tended to go away from the whole, like, let's just keep one lefty in the bullpen just for that lefty batter on the other team type of purposes. That seems to be something that isn't as prevalent nowadays, but, right. you know, you never know. But, but yeah, man, I mean, like, he, he that's a great mentality to have. I want to strike out for everybody sure. that comes to the plate against me. And like you said, I mean, all those strikeouts, man, 56 in just under 39 innings, that's amazing.
2: Yeah, so we'll go down to the Taurus higher right now. They're sitting at 1924, but they've had some, some tremendous offensive performances so far this year. Alex McKenna, we've talked about him a bunch. He's sitting 303, 13 home runs, which I believe is tied for the, the lead in home runs in the, uh, in the Astros system this year. Um, and he's a guy who, like you mentioned, he was not on any real – he wasn't on MLB's top 30. He obviously wasn't in the top 100. He's a guy that had a good draft record. He was He was drafted in the fourth round had some injuries, you know, and, and now he's back. He's healthy. He's 23 and he's having a really good season in high A. So um, he's a guy who I think, you know, we'll, we'll continue to see and we'll probably be in double A. I, I don't know why, you know, he would be in high A much longer at this point with the way he's hitting home runs and how he's hitting. But I'm excited to see what he can do at, a, at an upper level in double A and, uh, you know, see the way he can progress as a prospect.
0: Oh, I agree with you, man. It, it seems like he's already mastered high A and what are we on like a four week streak now of talking about somebody being promoted and they get promoted within that week. So he could be the next one, but yeah, dude, I mean, just, just looking at his numbers right now, scrolling around, just, he's, he's already mastered that level, that league. I, I I can't imagine he'll be down there for much longer. And then, you know, but, but again, that whole trickle down effect, there's gotta be a spot up there for him. So we'll see what happens, but it's exciting seeing all these guys promoted, man.
2: Yeah. And another guy that we talked about on here, and they got promoted pretty quick after Joe Perez and, Man, since the, you know he was he had a, a solid start to the season uh, with Fayetteville. I think it was in a little over 300, couple home runs. But since he's gotten to Asheville, he's just he's gone he's gone crazy. He's hit 337, seven homers, 21 RBIs in 21 games, and really showing you know why the Astros fell in love with that that raw power and that raw ability that he had as an 18 year old coming out of or 17 year old coming out of high school and the reason they drafted him in the second round. And man, he's a guy that uh, we like. We talk about another guy that maybe and start pushing for some top 100 list. If he keeps up this offensive performance as a 21-year-old in high A, and next thing you know, he's in double A, he's a guy who's definitely going to start flying up.
0: Yeah, man, playing third base like that, he plays good defense. He's got a good arm. He's got the power numbers. You know, to, to you know, they're not going to say it like this, but to be a third baseman that's highly touted, you're going to have to play good defense, have to have a good arm, You just because it's a power position. You know what I mean? So, and, and he's really making the most of that, dude. That's the thing that we said last week. We hope and I think we both think that he will be promoted to double A over the next month or so just because that's probably where he would have been this year anyway, had last year been a normal year. But he looks to a bit have gotten past all of those injuries that plagued him right after mm-hmm. we drafted him in, and and he he's emerging as one of my absolute favorite. Well, he has emerged as one of my favorite prospects to follow in our system.
2: Definitely, and there's there's one other guy I mentioned down in uh, down in high A. Scott Schreiber, the Astros drafted him not long ago, but he's hitting 325, ten homers, twenty eight RBIs. I mean, just another good offensive performance that. You probably weren't looking forward to coming into the season. And now we got, we got, it seems like all over the system, these guys are just having a crazy, uh, these crazy offensive performances. And just really nice to see that from guys that, like you, you mentioned, you weren't really expecting coming into the year. And one more guy I'll talk about in high A, which we talked about last year or uh, last week, and he did get promoted. Brian DePaula uh, had phenomenal numbers in Fayetteville, gets promoted to high A in so far and five or he pitched he had one game through five innings gave up two hits struck out four gave up two runs so good good outing for him and another guy that we talked about uh, as a guy to watch given that he's a lefty and, and you know the numbers that he was putting up
0: oh for sure man it's one of those things where once you see that that name flash across your screen or or, or whatever you're going to remember that from from just uh, the amount of times that that he's he's done really well at the lower levels of the minors, and he's going to end up getting uh, promoted at some point as well, dude. Yep. He that's you know the the high A level has been one with the most um, I don't know like traction so far this year because we've yeah. seen a lot of guys just moving straight through there. So you can just tell that that you know James. Hold Stigler, on, man, dude. Hold well on.
2: Corey Lee just hit a three run homer. I'm watching the Hooks game oh, on nice. my phone as we're recording this. So <laughs> nice. recording this, recording this on a Thursday night, and Corey Lee just hit another freaking bomb. And this oh, one was, it man. was, dude, it was a line shot, <laughs> but like, well, well over the fence, God, dude. And what he's doing this year—that's what it, I'm trying it, to say, it's, it's dude. Phenom- he's gonna—it's it, phenomenal. It, yeah, he like, like we thought, he's forcing, you know, the Astros hand in terms of, hey, I, I'm, I'm getting ready for the big leagues, and y'all need to create a spot for me, but. We'll go down to the Woodpeckers. A couple notes I just want to mention. Nathan Perry, 21-year-old catcher there, had a good season in 2019. He's been assigned there now, so we'll get to see what he, he can do. But Alex Santos, the Astros' first or second-round pick, first pick they were allowed to take last year because the the, the, uh, the lost picks. But they drafted him last year in the second round, and he made his debut the other night, and he went two and two-thirds innings and struck out five, no walks. 19-year-old, I think the, the commentator said he touched like 98. So that's another arm that's going to be really wow. fun to watch this year.
0: Wow. Now whenever okay, so you had the debut, uh, he debuted last night. Is he the guy who we got for the the compensatory pick for, for George Springer or just our regular second round pick?
2: No, that was a that was I think it was a compensatory pick. I, maybe for maybe for Cole, uh, it, it was the pick last oh, year in okay, twenty twenty. I'd have to go look to see exactly how we got the compensatory pick. But yeah, it, that was his debut. Sorry, but, you know, they drafted yeah, him and he didn't fault. play I mean, last year. Yeah, no, no worries.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry, I meant Garrett Cole, not Springer. We haven't even had that draft yet. It's my
2: <laughs> fault. <laughs> but another just a, a really good performance, and you know, a guy that's not on anyone's top hundred list, and now he's nineteen year old, a nineteen year old in low A, and he strikes out five and two third two and two thirds innings. So just a really good performance from. him him another guy to to look forward to every week to see how he's doing and like like we mentioned i feel like the astro system is a lot deeper than people are giving credit for and i think you're seeing it each week we talk i think we're seeing it each time we put out numbers and uh it's just it's been a fun season to watch already
0: well look i mean like it's like Callis said they're they they do not have a lot of flashy players but look at our major league team but look at the pitching side you got Framber, Framber uh gosh man i can't even say the man's name Framber valdez Um, you know, Luis Garcia, uh, Jose Arquiti, none of these guys were highly touted prospects either, but they're kicking ass at the major league level and they're doing what they need to do. I'll take a a truckload of those any day of the week as long as they produce. So, I mean, hey, as long as you get the job done, that's all that really matters.
2: Yeah, exactly, and and like you said, it, it don't matter where you find where you end up on the ranking. We've seen plenty of guys that weren't highly ranked, and then they come to Lee. And like you mentioned, we're seeing it with the pitching staff right now. So, uh, just a fun time to watch the system. I think, like I said, I think the system's underrated, and I think we're seeing that. And um, I think it's going to be fun for the fans to keep watching. So, don't go anywhere because in our next segment, we're going to take a look at the Red Hot Astros, and we'll get to that right after this break. And welcome back in here at the Astros Future Podcast presented by Apollo Media. This segment, we're going to take a look at the Astros and. Dude, the Astros are freaking rolling, right? The ten wins in a row, forty-six and twenty-eight overall. As we're recording this on on Thursday night, they're up four to nothing right now on the Tigers, and uh, we we we've, we've talked about it, and we it felt like we were we kept knew you know we knew that time was coming where they were going to run off ten wins and, and then take first place in division and really start to show themselves, and and that's basically what they've done over the last week and a half.
0: So yeah, man. I mean, we've been talking about this for over a month now. We've been wanting to see the team just wheel off like ten straight wins or so. Um, luckily it's coming at a time right now where we have a very very easy schedule in front of us uh we just mopped the floor with baltimore with a three-game set um and, and you know right now we're playing detroit in the first of a four-game series it's really good to see us just just go on this huge winning streak all right we're what 17 games over 500 or 18 games over 500 i'm sorry uh, as of this recording mm-hmm. everything is looking good man um, we're separating a little bit from Oakland. We've only got a two-game lead right now, but they're about to run into a tough patch of games that were like we just came out of, and we're about to go into a cake schedule of games of what they just came out of. So it's looking really good, Jimmy. It really is.
2: Yeah, and we talked about you. Know, you got to take care of business on, with the bad teams, and we unfortunately didn't do that with the Tigers earlier. Hopefully, they do it this series, but they did it with o- or with the uh, the Orioles. I think we outscored them. Was it twenty six to three in the three games? Just dominated yeah. them. But that was on the heels of us. Absolutely dominating the White Sox in a, in a, a four-game series, where that was the what I think people thought was the the AL contender, one of the best teams in the AL. Just like uh, Ben Berlander mentioned earlier, you know they were one of the best teams, and I know they had a little bit of injuries, but they came into Minute Maid Park and the Astros. I mean, just completely took care of business. And and one they won a close game, they won blowouts, and I think the White Sox left, you know, and, and the Astros left to go to Baltimore just showing that the Astros are without a doubt the superior team in the AL right now compared to the white Sox, and they're playing really good baseball right now, but overall, man, it's just, it's been really nice to see them just to, to get rolling like that. And just to see that, that dominance that, you know, we've saw in past seasons and even saw a little bit earlier in the season. And now they're starting to do it and putting a lot of wins together.
0: Yeah, man, it's it, it's it's looking like it could be a special team. Correa mentioned that in one of his post-game uh, press conferences recently, how the team is it, – it's a special team. It's reminding him a lot of, you know, like not just the performance on the field, but like the camaraderie that they had back in 2017 when we won the World Series. Um, it, it's looking really it, – it's a really fun team to watch, man. I mean, except for the bullpen, it's been a really, really yeah. fun team to watch. But, you know – we're doing it right now. Bregman's hurt. Um, you know, Ben Dubose had mentioned on Twitter recently, and he made a great point even before Bregman was officially injured, you know, he still had that nagging uh, issue from spring training. So, and this is no, this is no knock on Alex at all on Alex Bregman at all, but you know, he wasn't playing like Alex Bregman was, and Mm -hmm. we were still like, we were still having like this historic pace for our offense, man. So everything was looking good. 11th DS has been out for a while. He's not a superstar, but he's a great player on our team. He fits perfectly here, so yeah. we're doing it whenever. Whenever guys get hurt, we're still able to do it. It's not. It's almost like we're not. We're not skipping a beat. You yeah, know, I mean, um, it, and and it's looking great.
2: Yeah, Tucker was out for I think uh, I think it was pretty much all the White Sox series, right? And the Astros still went on to sweep, you know, what was at the time, the, the team I think with the best record in the AL. So yeah, just phenomenal to see. And, and we're getting performances from the guys who expect, but then we've seen the the improvements from guys like miles straw and then the improvements from guys like Kyle Tucker, which we knew that was coming based on the way it was hitting the ball. And it finally started the, the luck finally started to around. And I think he's up to like two seventy something now, which is phenomenal considering he felt like he was hitting in the one hundreds for like the first month of the season. But you, know, you go to like a guy like Jose Altuve, he's got, He's uh he's got like three wars so far, seventeen home runs, and I, I we talked about it before, and I'll put the numbers out there. And this is before the game today, but a 100 OPS plus is league average, so anything above is going to be above average. Anything above like 130 is really good. And the Astros have Altuve at 144, Guriel at 150, Correa at 153, Brantley at 155, Jeez. Alvarez at 145, and then Tucker at 131. You know, and it's. And then, like you mentioned, you got Bregman, who was struggling a little bit, but obviously he's dealing with the injury. And The offense, it, just like Verlander, Ben Verlander mentioned in the, the first segment, he knew and we knew, we, we predicted this in the first episode we recorded, talking about how awesome the offense is going to be. And I will say, I, I had high hopes for the offense. I really thought they were going to be good, but I think they've exceeded my expectations so far for this season.
0: Absolutely. Um, The 2017 team and then the 2019 team, those were great offenses. We had Springer, we had Beltron, a lot of those other guys that were uh, still in the squad that were producing back then that are no longer here. But, you know, I I didn't expect our offense to be this great. I mean, we still had a lot of those key players. Altuve, Springer, Correa, uh, you know, Uncle Mike, he's still there, you know. But, man, this is just amazing. I mean, Mike Brantley's hitting, what, 356 right now? He's going to be in contention for the batting title all Mm -hmm. year um it's just it's amazing man just how great this offense is and i mean um i, I you know i know we're going to talk about it in a minute but correa i really don't want to see him wear another uniform next year man
2: yep so we'll, i'll mention it that the last time i looked which uh was just a couple of days ago he was on pace for like a, a, more than nine wins above replacement for more than 40 doubles more than 30 home runs playing elite defense and you know, we talked about it at the beginning of the season is, you know, if he had a good season, he was going to show that he was worth that money and, and how that was going to play out. And so far, the way he's he's playing right now, and if he keeps this up all season, he's going to get a massive deal. And I'm not going to rule out the opportunity that the Astros can can resign him. And I'll sit here and hope that it happens. And, you know, and I'm an optimist. So I'm going to hope that it does happen. And, and maybe it will. But, man, somebody's going to pay him a lot of money. I just hope it's the Houston Astros.
0: Yep. Uh, you and I have always, uh, you know, seen eye to eye on that. I just, I, I think the one fear that we have is just one of those teams that isn't very good right now, but maybe has like a pretty good farm system or something to that effect that isn't paying a lot of high price, high price players like the Miami Marlins are going to come in and just, you know, blow everyone else out of the water. Similar to Machado going to San Diego. What was it last year, year before last? Yep. Um, you know, it's just, it, it's, I, I would just really, really like to see Carlos Correa uh, as a Houston Astro for a while. I still remember whenever he was drafted, number one overall, he had that introductory press conference, and he said, he goes, my goal is to become the face of the franchise here and to lead this team to a World Series. So I just want to see that continue, man.
2: Yep, and, man, you know, it, throughout the the first few years of his time at the Astros, there was obviously a lot of stars here, you know, maybe Springer or Altuve was the face of the franchise. But I think over the last – year and a half especially the way he defended the the team you know yep. and with the cheating stuff he's he's really turned into that face of, of the franchise i think at this point and i guess it's a good problem to have is when you sit here and think man who is the face of the astros and you can't you can't figure it out because there's too many guys that are uh you know eligible to be the the face of the franchise so good problem to have but we're hitting on but the offense a lot oh go ahead go ahead. well
0: well jimmy just really quick and then we can move on but like when it comes to correa the one thing that I know we talk about it. A lot of people do on Twitter. It's talked about in a good way, but I'm not sure he gets the actual respect he deserves for, for going on TV and basically telling everyone else, you don't know what you're talking about. You need to shut up. I won't use his exact, uh, you know, wording on that. But I mean, that man defended the team. We didn't have to, the team was probably told not to say anything because no one else has said anything, Mm -hmm. but he has taken it upon himself to defend his boys, defend his squad, defend the team and defend the city. That's amazing, man. And not only that, he openly says he wants to stay in Houston. Yep. We just got done with the James Harden situation with the Rockets. You don't really see very often where uh, here in Houston, where we see star players say, yeah, I want to stay in Houston forever. He is openly saying it. We need to capitalize on that.
2: Yeah, definitely. And like you mentioned, it was at a time when it felt like you know, the Astros are really being you know, shit on by everybody coming into the season with the spring training and everything. And yeah, he stuck his nose out there and, and defended the team and, really felt like, you know, man, that's our that's our guy. You know, he, he's defending the Astros. So hopefully we'll bring him back. But on the pitching side, I put out a tweet this morning, and, and the numbers are pretty insane. So this is not including Odorizzi and Grinke and, 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 you know, maybe a Verlander here in the future. But the Astros have a lot of good starters. We already know that. But when you look at the age and the performance that they're doing, you got McCullers, who's 27 and a 2.90 ERA. Uh, Valdez, 27, 1.67 ERA this season. Or Kitty's 26, a 3.32 Garcia's 24. He's got a 2A2 ERA. He's pitching good right now. And then Javier's 24 and a 297. If someone would have told you coming into the season that the Astros would have had five starters right. that are all pitching really well, and it wasn't going to be Zach Greinke and it wasn't going to be, you know, maybe Joe, Jake Otorizzi when they signed him, it, you probably wouldn't have believed it, you know. And not to say that the guys didn't have the talent, but to see what they're doing and, and doing, you know, doing so at a, a fairly young age and under team control. Really, just gives a lot. The Astros a lot of options. I mean, you know, could they? We talk about Grinky and Verlander and their contracts, right? And if you don't bring those guys back, and you rely on the the young and the maybe the cheaper arms, does that potentially open you up to spend more money on a, on a career contract? But overall, the, the pitching performance from some of these young guys has just has just been phenomenal this year.
0: Yeah, and I mean, like, had it not been for you, honestly, I probably would have never even heard of Framber or Kitty uh, prior to the last couple of years. I mean, like, I pay attention to the minor league system, mm-hmm. but I didn't really like appreciated as much back once we started getting good and everything like that, you know, but but like you said, man, Framber or Kitty, uh, you know, Garcia, Christian Javier. It's just, it's amazing how much, uh, how many talented arms that we're having coming through the system that no one knows about until they hit the big league level.
2: Yep, Yeah, for sure. And it's, and yeah, like I said, they're just, they're putting, they're putting together some, some really incredible numbers at this point and, um, and and carrying a, a team, you know, obviously they got a good offense behind them, but, They're carrying a team that is having a struggling bullpen and we're relying on guys like Luis Garcia. I mean, we saw him against the White Sox have a dominant outing against one of the best teams and one of the really good offenses in the American League. And he just and he just dominated. So to see those performances from some of these young guys like this has just been has been really good to see.
0: Absolutely, dude. It's it's always great whenever you know you have your guys that that you know of right off the top of the bat, your Force Whitleys, your Kyle Tuckers. But then whenever you see some of these other prospects that may not be household names come up. And start doing just as good a job, and sometimes better. It's it's super refreshing, man. It just it's you know credit to our uh, front office scouting department
2: for sure. Yeah, no, they've done a they've done a great job of uh, of a compiling you know talent, but in a way where you know they're not having the the top picks, they're not spending huge international bonuses on some of these guys, and they've been able to they've been able to create a, a very good talent pool of pitching and prospects that have been maybe overlooked by some, but definitely not overlooked by the Astros.
0: Yeah, absolutely, dude. It's a fun time to be an Astro fan. All
2: right, that's going to do it for today's episode. So if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: Yeah, and be sure to follow at Apollo HOU for blogs, merch, video, podcasts, and more original Houston sports content not found anywhere else.
2: As always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back for our next episode of the Astros Future Podcast covering your Astros and the minor league system.